Boom, put boom, boom, A side, B side, what side are you on? Well, hello, Adam. Welcome back to another episode of A side, B side. Or, or should I do A side, B side, what side are you on? We gotta do a remix. Yeah. Switch you saying and then I'll just do like the world's worst beatboxing. I don't even think I could call that beatboxing. It sounded like I was having a you know a coughing fit. So we are what episode 98? Yes, and we just um, got done with another Patreon. So if you have not joined us on Patreon, we would love for you to patreon.com slash podcast. It's it's not cost prohibitive. You, you don't have to, it's it's cheaper than a cup of coffee. It really is, although it will be go going towards coffee. Yeah, it's I mean it's you ever thought about buying us a coffee, you can just do it on Patreon. <laughs> or you can literally it. buy us a coffee it's that's fine yeah. too buy, buy us a coffee.com slash asabcipod yeah you can do that too so how is uh how was your week um really good went to really good and really bad at the same time okay so my Ooh. youngest that lives with me has gone to visit her sister and then she's gonna be staying there while her sister goes and uh does like a um an immersion program over in another country. So this is the first time. Okay. So my youngest is a bit of a mama's girl and I'm a bit of a, we were joking last night. I'm a bit of a her girl. She's a bit of a me girl. Cause we are very codependent. <laughs> and so even when she was in college, she was coming home all the time. Like her first year in college, she came home every single weekend for like the first six months. Oh, wow. Um, and so then of course COVID hit, you know, and I told her you can't do that anymore. And so she, she got into college or whatever. And I got used to her not being home. Then COVID hit and she was home for like months. And then she went back for just a little bit and then she graduated. So since she has graduated a year and a half ago, we have not been apart more than like a week. Oh, wow. So now like, and you moved. And we moved together, right? So of course that we were already very close anyway, but, you know, moving and having to be each other's, you know, um, shoulders to lean on. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so she's going to be gone for like several weeks. And so I'm like trying to find all the things to do to keep me busy because part of me in- inside is like, I remember when my kids were little and they would go stay with my mom for the summer like a month or so in the summer. And I mean, like the first week or so I was depressed. So I'm trying not to get there, but part of me is like, oh my gosh. And she said to me, she's, she said, I know, and this is what really got me. Cause I was trying to be all t- tough and stuff. And then she's like, I know I act all independent and stuff. She's like, but I actually really need you. And I was like, oh my oh. God, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Pretty, pretty awesome to hear though. That's, that's, yeah. It, it is. And it, but it was like, I was like, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. And I was like, of course, you know, if, if you need me, I'll be right there. Like, yeah. Well, and how long is, how long is she staying in? in is she going to be gone? She's going to be gone like four weeks. Like a whole month. Yeah. Oh, I know. Nice. So well, that's a fun little adventure though. It is. And it's good for her because she'll be 
on her own completely. And it's good for you. It's good for me. It's, it's good for me to you know find me again. And it's good for her because she needs to know she can do this. Yeah. Um, and she's stepping into it so easily because everything her sister like is paying her, you know, it's her sister's place. So she's got the rent and the food all covered. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just she needs to know that she can be on her own. So it is yeah. good for her. Well, it's also tough that like this is it's an area that she doesn't know either. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that, that that just adds, you know, a little bit, but it's kind of like going on vacation before you still get to know people. So there's that. But also yesterday went to a really fun concert, you know, so like as I, I was dropping her off and I'm like crying and then I was like, OK, well, let's go to this concert and I'm going to smile and have a good time. So. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. I'm not sad whatsoever. <laughs> but yeah, so there's that. That's me. That's what's going on. What about you? Uh, just getting through this heat wave. Uh, it is, we, we topped a hundred last week, which is the first time this year in Minnesota. And that was super exciting. Um, been, been catching up on my shows, finally, uh, stepped into watching the Obi-Wan series and that's been fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am reading an absolutely ridiculous book that will probably ridiculous. I don't, I don't know what word I said, but it wasn't ridiculous. <laughs> I think I accidentally just said a curse in in Harry Potter world. <laughs> uh, ab- absolutely ridiculous book uh, by James Patterson, and he's partnered with another writer. But way back when, uh, probably somewhere in the, the 40s or 50s episodes, uh, maybe 60s, uh, we did one on The Shadow, the, the 1990s movie with Alec Baldwin, and I talked about the old radio plays because I found a couple vinyls yes. and listened to the radio yes. plays. Well, James Patterson has because the character is now in public domain. He's up. He's written a new The Shadow, and I was like, "Oh, this could be interesting." And it, but it is so out of left field. Like Lamont Cranston, The Shadow is poisoned in the nineteen twenties, thirties, and suddenly is you know he goes to this warehouse and he gets put into basic cryogenic freezing and he wakes up 150 years later in a post-apocalyptic world where Khan has taken over everything as the president of the world and everyone's living in squalor. And it's just like, whoa, what? (laughs) What is going on? Mm -hmm. So I'm enjoying it. It's a very quick read. uh, But my goal of of trying to get get at least 30 minutes of reading done every day is continued. Uh, So I haven't watched as many shows lately and it's been so hot. You're like when you, you're outside, you just can't look at screens. Cause one, I was, I was sitting on the, the roof deck and reading my book, just have my phone out and it was sitting next to me on the lounger and the sun's beating on it. And all of a sudden it's just like, I get the, the alert. That's like, I'm turning off now. Yes. <laughs> Cause it's too hot. Like you forget in the summer when stuff gets too hot, it can't work. So it's, it's nice to have some, some paperbacks and some books today to, to read. So uh, I've been reading more and that's actually uh, for the second week in a row the A-side is going to be about uh, a book that you should read. All right. Well, if you're ready, I'm ready. I am. All right. Let's do Jumping into the A-side. As I mentioned, I've been read, trying to read 30 minutes every day. Uh, it's one of my goals for the summer. Um, not happening every day, but happens every once in a while. And I'm getting better at it. Uh, and so I've been working through this James Patterson book, but it's very over the top. But I've also been slow rolling on the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+. And... I've been very hesitant to dive in because I, 
noticed that the parts of Star Wars that have been made in the last 10 years that I really enjoy have been the original stories. I mean, Rogue One with this, you know, telling everything of how the, how the, you know, the, the plans were stolen and gotten to uh, Princess Leia right before Star Wars A New Hope Begins, I thought was outstanding. The Mandalorian series, both season one and two, where we're basically, these are all new characters with a couple of like familiar characters scattered in. I think those have been my favorite stories. I haven't loved when they keep trying to make all of Star Wars about, you know, the Skywalker family in some connection. Mm-hmm. And I was really excited about this series when I heard it was announced because in my brain, it was going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi, like kind of doing a Clint Eastwood Western in space where he's roaming through the small towns of Tatooine and like, you know, writing wrongs and yada, yada, yada. And in the first episode, I, re- I find out, oh, crud, they're going to make this about Luke and Leia the entire time. And then it was even more so. And spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it, the, the young actress who plays 10-year-old Leia is, does an amazing job. Uh, and in my opinion, probably carries, I've only through episode three, and there, I think there's three more. Uh, but so far has made it less hard to accept that we're doing this because mm-hmm. I know they want to have the characters, but it's not Carrie Fisher. And that's but it's also i'm glad it's not just somebody else and carrie fisher like uh cgi right Uh, so that that's been good but one of the things that it reminded me of is they do they they're dealing a lot with here's you got this 10 year old brilliant kid who is going to be who's a princess but also just a kid who has all these questions about her family and one of the things that it's been hard for me to accept or reconcile with the new since Disney bought the Star Wars universe is that there was this entire you know two and a half decades worth of books novels comic books that were all written and this giant universe these stories that were told that when Disney bought it they were like yep none of that matters anymore and I read a lot of those books the the Timothy Zahn trilogy uh which they've you know Disney smartly has gone back and sort of cherry picked some of the best characters and the best stories from the the legends as they call them now and imported them into the world like Thrawn has shown up and there's talk of him having a series and one that popped up was one of my favorite books which came back came out back in 1994 it was the fourth Star Wars novel that I picked up uh, or at least fourth in my mind it may have come out somewhere around the same time as uh, Dark Forces Rising uh, but after Heir to the Empire uh, and it's called The Truce at Procure. And it literally takes place right minutes after the ending of Return of the Jedi. You've got, you know, they're having the the Stormtrooper barbecue and they burn Darth Vader in effigy. And the Ewoks are all dancing around playing Stormtrooper skulls like they're bongos, which in hindsight means they were probably eating Stormtrooper, which is just a little disturbing when you think about it that way as a kid never figured out two and two together there uh, but it's this entire story of what happens next and I remember loving the book and I picked it back up because there was a very specific scene that I wanted to reread within the book and it's a quick read you're looking I've got it in paperback it's about you know 350 340 pages uh, but it deals a lot with what happens next mm-hmm. whether that's the empire has just fallen and now not everybody knows yet. I mean, it takes work, takes time for word to spread that, you know, 
Darth Vader's been overthrown. And like, we still, you hear about stories in real life where there were islands in the South Pacific that you'd have a Japanese soldier who was stationed there and didn't know for years that the world, that World War II was over because no one had, you know, reached them because they were so remote. So the same thing would happen within a galaxy because everything is just so spread out. And Endor is pretty far out there. It's not like it's a core planet where it's like right on a trade route and everything. So it it would probably take a while for the word to get out. And Han and Luke and Leia and all the rebel forces get a intercept a message that comes from a probe droid, which almost kills Wedge Antilles, that there is an invasion on a small planet called Bakura of these alien forces that are invading this Imperial garrison. And so the rebels decide they're going to go and, you know, help them fight off the aliens. And it's this becomes a very strange, and that's why it's called, you know, truce. You've got the Imperial remnant and you've got the rebel forces having to band together to fight off this third other force. And what I loved about it is here, you know, it's coming out in the mid nineties. And in my brain, I have always thought, and I t- still to this day, I, I used to be sure of it. Now I'm kind of just hoping that like the only thing that would really make the human race get together and like stop fighting each other would be if we had something else to fight. Uh, and then we had COVID and no one believed it. So maybe it has to literally be little green men for us to, to come together. I don't know. Right. Right. But the entire story is about these two factions that are, don't trust each other are at war having to fight off another and, and the political intrigue and the, you know, double crossing and all of that thing that happens, but a big part of the story also. And the reason that I picked the book back up and specifically went to find this scene is that Leia just figured out that the guy who tortured her in, in a new hope and who destroyed all of Alderaan and who has been terrorizing the universe for all of her life is her dad. Mm. and this this is really the one of the few books that i remember that dealt with that and i've i've been doing you know i've gone and found other people reviewing the book and a lot of people are like well there's not enough action and it was so political and there was you know i was very very slow-paced and boring but i was like as a 13 year old reading this book i was like if I just found out that my father was the person that I hated most in the world right. and had and I'd been actively fighting against for all of my life, that's going to mess my brain up a little bit. And then in the truth of Ecuador, well, while Leia is trying to, you know, find a diplomatic solution where the, the Imperials and the rebels can work together to fight off the alien invasion or maybe negotiate with the aliens. So they decide not to attack. And the alien's name is the Shirut which I'm sure I'm pronouncing incorrectly, but I don't speak Shuruki, so that's why. So it uh, might lead to a little, you know. Yeah, who, know, who knows how to pronounce it, so that's why I keep just saying the aliens. Uh, while all of this is happening, in kind of, a, it, my opinion, is sort of a, a dick move, Anakin Skywalker appears to her as a force ghost and asks for her forgiveness. How do you, how do you, you don't even have time to process it and you're just going to show up and be like, hey, sorry, I was like the Hitler of space for a while. Uh, do you forgive me? And how powerful is a kid reading that scene and how conflicted she was and how everything else is happening mm-hmm. uh, at the same time. And at one point she sympathizes with rebels on the, the planet and then the Imperials throw her into jail and 
this was also the period in legends where every book tried to give luke a new love interest and it was like he was they were trying to like james t kirk him so he was in every new book he was falling in love with somebody else and it, that whole side plot was something i never really understood like why do why do we have this because they clearly wanted to have a love story and he was the only single character at that point uh but in all of this you have this incredibly hard to read scene where she, leia has to deal with not only accepting who her father was and everything that happened but then he shows up and asks for forgiveness as a ghost which i don't know if if a ghost shows up for the first time and they ask for it just it's a very strange scene, but it was so powerful. And I remembered it from the moment, like as, as we're watching the, uh, we're watching Obi-Wan and, and the, the young actress at one point asked uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, she's like, are you my real father? And this is, a, this is a question that this character has been asking themselves for years. And now to find out who it was and to have to deal with it uh, was just for me a very powerful memory and that it's a book that I haven't read in almost 30 years. And I immediately was taken back to that scene and had to go dig it out of storage and read it again. Uh, it is frustrating to me that the stories in the legends are not canon anymore, but the Bakura has been mentioned in other uh, Star Wars, newer Star Wars things in the Star Wars Resistance cartoon. It's mentioned and they're slowly starting to kind of, as I said, cherry pick characters and stories out of it. And I would be really interested in maybe you know, if they did, I think the only way they're going to do more stories about Luke and Leia and Han right after the core trilogy is if they do them animated. Uh, and I think that that would be a really interesting way to do it. And I would, there were several people who I found on, on YouTube and on articles written on the internet that said that this is like the worst Star Wars book that they've ever read. Uh, and I would, I really don't agree with that at all because I think there's a lot more to it. It's definitely a different style Star Wars book, and I think it would be a very interesting, uh, you know, sort of anime cartoon style, a little bit more um, sure, not you know, super kid friendly because it's about politics and it's about truces and not war. Uh, but definitely glad I picked it back up. If you've been watching the Obi Wan series and you're enjoying the character of Leia as much as I am, and have always felt like there was so much more to her story that needed to be told. Mm -hmm. uh, even though it's not canon, I highly recommend picking up The Truce of Bakura. It is a quick read. It is intriguing. And for the scene alone of her and Anakin, uh, it will stick with you. And uh, for $6.99, you can do a lot worse. Or if you've got Audible on Amazon, it's one Audible credit. And if you're like me and you get the email saying, hey, you've you got 10, <laughs> you got 15 credits you got to use or they're going to expire. Uh, maybe just throw one at Truce of Procura uh, by Kathy Tires and uh, you can listen to an audiobook. It is read by Anthony Held, uh, who is, uh, I thought for a second, was the guy from, uh, from Buffy, but very similar name. It's not. Oh, uh, right, right, right. Anthony, right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. Because he's in, he's on uh, TED. I mean, yeah. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, yeah. Uh, so it, it's one of my favorite books because of the how it looked at Star Wars in a different way with the politics and the relationships. And there's even this whole subplot of Han and Leia have just kind of started dating. Mm -hmm. So Han basically just goes on this mission because he wants to hang out with Leia. And because he was still 
he'd left, you know, Empire, he got frozen in carbonite and he gets woken up and now he's fighting in, in this wars as, you know, a, a, a sort of general. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to hang out. I'm going to go with you because I want to hang out with you. But they can't like, they don't get any time together. It was very interesting. Like, how does this relationship blossom when everything they've gone through has been a traumatic experience? Right. It's like, like in action movies, when the heroine and the hero get to get together at the end of the movie, but all they've known is like running from monsters or driving a bus over 55 miles an hour so it doesn't explode. Like, what do they talk about on a boring Tuesday? Uh, and how do they make a relationship work? So that's a fun little good subplot as well. So the A-side today dedicated to the Legends version, Star Wars, The Truce of Akura by Kathy Tires. You can check it out simply for a couple of those small subplots alone. And I highly recommend it. And don't let anybody on YouTube with bad backgrounds tell you that uh, bad backgrounds behind them, not, not that they're bad people. They might be. <laughs> I don't know. They've got bad book opinions. Don't let them tell you it's the worst one they've ever read. All right. I could not. I don't know anything about Star Wars, so I have really no input um, except... Uh, Mandalorian looks good on Disney Plus. Yeah, have you? And, and you don't have to if you don't want to share. People will come for you. Have you watched the original trilogy? No. I kind of, I kind of had that feel. It's, okay. I don't. It's not like anything that like. Oh, I'm so anti. Um, you know, Star Wars or anything. It's just I just happen to not have seen it yeah that's completely un completely understandable i'm not one of those people that will like freak out and be like oh my gosh you have to see it because i think now there are certain movies you have to see at certain points of your life to for them to connect mm -hmm. and watching a, a a 45 year old movie with questionable special effects and a kind of clunky <laughs> plot uh is probably not going to be the thing that gets you into star wars like go watch the mandalorian if you're if it's your first time because that one's a little bit more uh you know, grab your attention for the day. Uh, it'd be like going to be like, hey, you guys, you want to watch Romeo and Juliet? Would you like to watch the three and a half hour stage version rec recorded from a single camera uh, back in the 1920s? Or would you like to go see it at the, the local, you know, park? Go to the park right. one. It's going to be right. better. Right. <laughs> All right. So there you go. That is the uh, A-side. Do you have a picture of the book that you want to send? That I we do. I will, I will add that. I will send it to you as well. Okay, and then so. I, our links and things you can even I even included the the YouTube video of the guy who hates it because I was like what the heck he's wrong but we can give him some views so you can you know hear how wrong he is all right there you go all right so is that the a side that's the a side um if you didn't know June is pride month and so the story we're talking about today on the outside was a very seemingly beautiful, progressive family. It was the Hearts, Jennifer and her wife and their beautiful adopted six children who all happened to be Black. But under the surface, because this is a true crime podcast. Yeah. So it was not quite as picture perfect as it seemed. And this might be one of the few that I think I know about before you even start so i'm excited about that and i think partly because they were in your area 
for a little while. Yeah, and Minnesota is like if they can if the news can find any remote connection to a news story that mm-hmm. has like if they visited Minnesota, if they once like bought a Dylan album or they liked Prince, like they'll be like, well, they'll shoehorn it in there. They're like, oh, this <laughs> thing happened in. Uh, you know, South Florida, but the family once visited Minnesota in 1978. So we think you'd like it. Uh, okay. Cool. So Jennifer Hart was uh, born in June of 1979 and her wife, Sarah Margaret Gangler Hart was born April 8th of 1979. So just, you know, a couple months apart. Mm-hmm. They're both from South Dakota. Uh, Jennifer was originally from Huron, Whereas Sarah was from Big Stone City. So yeah. both of the women. A lot of stones are, there. A lot of stones. Both of them are the oldest in their family. Uh, Jennifer had two siblings and Sarah had three siblings. So Jennifer attends Huron High School. Sarah attended high school in Minnesota. The two women actually meet at North Uh, Northern State University, and that's where they, in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and that's where they begin their relationship. Um, For years, uh, the two told people that they were just friends or roommates before coming out. Uh, Sarah had initially attended University of Minnesota for a semester and then transferred over to Northern State, and Jennifer started at Augustana University uh, before transferring over to Northern State University. They both majored in early education. Sarah focused on special education. So Sarah graduates in 2002 and uh, Jennifer is like, well, all right, Sarah's done. I'm out. So she leaves. She doesn't graduate. She just leaves. And so the two get married. Um, They get married in Connecticut in 2009. But before that, Sarah had actually petitioned a court to have her last name changed to Hart. It was Gengler and she changes it, changes it to Hart. And then in 2009, they go to Connecticut to get married because at that time, same-sex marriage was not legal in every state. Mm-hmm. So Jennifer was quite active. Jennifer also the more um, just dominant personality. Um, Jennifer was also very social media active, especially on Facebook. And she had stated on Facebook one time that when they were in South Dakota, they were, they did not come out as a couple. Um, and that when they did finally come out, they actually lost friends. She said, quote, that Midwestern mindset was relentlessly unforgiving and unaccepting. Now this has been years ago and in some areas in the Midwest, yes, it is still like that. Um, you know, here in Nebraska, there are certain areas that are very progressive, but other than that no it's not there's still that midwestern mindset yeah you can and you can find that sort of older mindset in anywhere in the country even california new york that's true that's true mm-hmm. so in 2004 they lived in minnesota they lived in alexandria minnesota mm-hmm. and they both worked at the herbergers store have you ever heard of a herbergers yeah herbergers is just a it's like a like a Dayton's or Macy's, uh, you know, a Marshall Fields, just a department store type thing. Usually was the end cap at a mall. You know, it came into Minnesota relatively later. Like I think they, at one point they partnered with Dayton's, but I don't know the entire history. Oh, okay. 
So of course they're in a new location and they decide, you know what, we're not going to hide anymore because Mm -hmm. it's a new location, new people, new friends, they can start fresh. Sarah becomes the manager at the Herbergers. They move around a bit here, a bit there. Sarah becomes a manager at a Kohl's in Washington. They end up in um, Texas, right? And so it's while they're in Texas that they decide that they would like to adopt and start a family. So they actually receive funding from the state of Texas. But before we even get into their six children that they adopted. There's a lot of kids. Uh-huh. So prior to adopting their six children, they were fostering another, another child. It was a five-year-old girl who's now in her 20s. A week before their first three children were due to arrive, while they were still fostering this young girl who they told they were going to adopt and be for her, her forever home, they take her to a session with her therapist. They drop her off. And they never come back. The therapist then during their session has to tell the young girl, they're not coming back. She never heard from them again. There was never an explanation. She, Whoa. They, they just drop her off at the therapist's office. Wow. So Abigail, Hannah Jean, Abigail was born in 2003. Hannah Jean was born in 2002. And Marcus was born in 1998. They were all adopted by Jennifer and Sarah, uh, while in Colorado County in Texas. They were placed with the Hearts on March 4th of 2006, and they were adopted September of 2006. Just all happened very quickly. Very quickly. So now think about this. Before 2006 is when they received their first three. So 2000, early 2006, 2005 frame is when they had the young girl that they just dropped off and never went back to. So a couple of years later in 2008, they adopt three more children. Sierra Mejia, who was born in 2005, Devante Jordan in 2002, and Jeremiah Hart, who was born in 2004. They all uh, came from Houston. So their biological mom, Sherry, had lost custody because she had substance abuse issues. She lost them in August of 2006. So then they were sent to live with their um, father's sister, their paternal aunt, Priscilla, but the condition was they are to have no contact with their mother. Unfortunately, Priscilla had to work. She didn't have anybody else to babysit. So she allowed their mom to babysit. A caseworker found out and they were removed from her care and uh, she was prevented from getting permanent custody. The one thing you're told you can't do is usually yeah so uh, sherry davis's children the three were then put into foster care there's actually an older brother dante who's also put into foster care he was not adopted by the hearts um he had behavioral issues so now they've got their six children and the heart tribe was i guess you can say complete and they look like to be the model of a progressive 21st century family. You've a, lot got, of, a lot of kids, a lot of, a lot of kids. You've got the same sex, these two white female, same sex couple adopting these six black children. You know, I mean, they're the poster for modern progressive family, right? Yeah. More modern family than modern family. Exactly. Now you may remember 12 year old Devante 
who came into the spotlight, the national spotlight during um, the Ferguson protests mm-hmm. in, in Portland, Oregon. There was a photo of Devante who was crying as he embraced the police officer, it was Officer Darren Wilson, during the 2004 protests. That, um, the, of course, the protest resulted from the controversial decision of the Michael Brown case, or I mm-hmm. should say the officers, not Michael Brown, but right. what the officers did to Michael Brown. And that, that unrest that resulted is that. So the image became known as the hug felt around the world. So of course, who got this picture? Mom, Jennifer, she posted on her Facebook and, you know, of course it goes viral. Jennifer is always constantly posting pictures of the family. They look so happy. She's also sharing her thoughts on race and politics. She shares all of the trips that the family's going on. They wear matching outfits and matching jammies and they just look like a beautiful, loving, happy family. They're they're the social media, you know, darling, everything looks good. Mm -hmm. You know, everything is perfect and progressive and great. Right. I, I remember that photo was everywhere. I that mean, every, every, every news organization picked it up. I, I'm sure it was on magazine covers. Uh, it, it was almost this uses this sort of red herring of like, look, we're healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So speaking of Facebook, on the ninth anniversary of the of three of the adoptions, Jennifer wrote, quote, I am a better human in every possible way for knowing these children. They have been my greatest teachers. Contrary to popular notion that we can't choose our family. We absolutely can. We choose by loving and that's worth celebrating every day. Okay. So of course, you know, like I said, they're often on social media looking like the happy family, traveling, music festivals, hiking. They even attended some political rallies. Like in 2016, the family attended a rally for Bernie Sanders in Vancouver, Washington. And they all showed up wearing matching Bernie t-shirts. But things not as happy as they appeared on Facebook. Just as it is for anyone. So in 2008, the family is living in Alexandria, Minnesota, and a teacher observed bruises on Hannah's left arm. And she was told that she'd been hit by her mom, Jennifer, with a a belt. So within months, all six children are pulled out of public school. Because, of course, when she tells the teachers, investigation starts. So they're all pulled out of they're, they're legally obligated to report. Mm-hmm. In 2011, Abigail said she had owies on her back and stomach, and she said she actually didn't feel safe with her moms. Um, they had actually beaten her and had put cold water um, over, over her, all because of a penny that they thought she had stolen. Yikes. So this, of course, is reported. Authorities become involved and all the children claim that they are being spanked constantly and deprived of food. So Sarah steps up and she takes responsibility. She says that her anger got out of control, but the Oregonian newspaper said it was actually Jennifer who had hit Abigail and gave her the owies. So we may have one partner covering for another. So Sarah, even though it was Jennifer who allegedly uh, did the assault, Sarah originally was charged with domestic assault and a malicious punishment 
but pled guilty to domestic assault um, charge and the malicious malicious punishment charge was dropped. She was sentenced to 90 days in jail, but it was commuted to one year of supervised probation. This is well after they were social media darlings, and I don't remember it being reported at all at, at the all. time. No, nobody really knew what was happening. So a year later, Hannah, again, tells the school nurse that she's not eating all day. Sarah claims that Hannah is just playing the food card and says, just give her some water. She's fine. She's eating. Shortly after that, they're all pulled out of school and they're homeschooled again. Well, they move from Minnesota to Oregon. And of course, there's more allegations of abuse. In 2013, authorities um, have separate interviews of everybody in the family, as well as interviews of people who know the family. Two family friends state that the children were forced to raise their hand before speaking, and they couldn't wish each other happy birthday or laugh at the dinner table. Other people actually reported that the children weren't really well fed and, and looked a little malnourished and small for their age. It's a lot of mouths to feed. One friend said that Jennifer had ordered pizza for the children, but each child was only allowed to have one small slice. And that when Jennifer discovered that the pizza was gone, she punished the children by not feeding them breakfast and forcing them to lie in bed for five hours. There were some friends that state that the children appeared very afraid of their mother, Jennifer, and like she, they trained them like robots. Fast forward to 2017, we're in Washington. They had moved to Woodland, Washington. Um, while they're in Wood Woodland, Washington, their daughter Hannah jumps out of her second story bedroom window about 1.30 in the morning and she runs next door to her neighbors, uh, Dana and Bruce DeKalb. Bruce said she wanted us to take her uh, to Seattle because they weren't treating her right. Hannah is pleading, please don't make me go back. They're racists and they abuse us. She appeared to be missing her two front teeth and she looked way younger than what she should have, uh, what she should have looked. So the hearts end up finding out about Hannah. They go over to the DeKalb's, they get her back. The next day, Jennifer goes back over to the DeKalb's to apologize for Hannah's actions. And she says that Hannah was not telling the truth. And that the children occasionally act out because they're, quote, drug babies. And that um, it could also be bipolar issues because Hannah's mom was bipolar. So then after this incident with Hannah, Dana and Bruce DeKalb have some contact with Devante, the one who went viral. He's begging for food. He is begging them for food. And he's like, please, please don't tell our moms about this. Please don't tell because they'll get upset. So they start sneaking food to the children. As they're sneaking food to the children, and then you've got this incident with Hannah, I guess the DeKalb's kind of discussed it amongst themselves and they report Jennifer and Sarah to the police and to the Washington State Department of Social Services. So caseworkers from DSHS try to get, they go to the house, and they try to get in contact with the hearts. The first time was March 23rd, 2018, and they leave a business card. They return the next day. There's no sign of the family, no record of the card. The card's gone. 
So they've obviously seen the card. On March 26th of 2018, just after 3 a.m., Jennifer and Sarah Hart get into their GMC Yukon XL and they drive over a 100-foot cliff on California State Route 1 in Mendocino County, California. The bodies of five of their children, Hannah, Marcus, Jeremiah, Abigail, and Sierra, were found in or near the vehicle, which had ended up turned upside down um, on the beach below the cliff. The body of Devante, as of a report of March of this year, still has never been found. A superior court judge ruled that Devante was in fact in the vehicle at the time of the crash and therefore issued a death certificate for him in April of 2018. So there was analysis of the SUV by experts and they said that the SUV's internal airbag deployment computer determined that it was an intentional thing. They did drive it off the cliff. It wasn't like they swerved and it was an yeah. accident. They the brakes actually, didn't go out. The brakes didn't go out. There, it, it actually accelerated to 20 miles per hour in, in three seconds. Also, there, like we said, there's no brake marks, no skid marks on the road or the, the top of the cliff. Um, there was a 14-member coroner's jury that unanimously ruled that the case was a murder-suicide. Um, there was an inquest called to determine the cause of death but there wasn't any responsibility in any civil or criminal cases. I mean, I, you know, the California Highway Patrol stated that the criminal prosecution wasn't possible because, well, the responsible parties are gone. Right. They were responsible. They did say that they were responsible, but how can they prosecute them? Okay. No point at that point. So there was toxicology reports done on Jennifer and Sarah and on the children. So they found that Jennifer's blood alcohol content level was over the legal limit and that Sarah and two of the children had diphenhydramine in their system. Sarah, before the crash, she had made Google searches about the lethality of Benadryl. Her and searches- I, that, must, that information must've come from the, the provider. I mean, it's not like they were probably able to recover the phone. Well, these were on her computer at home. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, her searches also included no kill shelters for dogs, but the two dogs were found inside their home. The Mendocino County Sheriff's Department officially closed the case and released declassified records in 2019. The sheriff, uh, Tom Allman was quoted as saying, this was more than a crime. This was an out and out conspiracy to kill six kids. The police officer that was seen hugging Devante during the protests, he said that this tragic news about Devante and his family deeply saddens me. The short interaction with Devante reinforced my love, passion, and duty in providing service to my community. Can I just say I didn't realize that the coroner could convene a jury? Yeah, that's that's new for me. I mean, I guess we don't deal with a lot of cases where everyone involved is is no longer around, but... I mean, do you want to have a cause of death? I'm sure legally there were probably some, might've been debts or assets or something that they needed to 
to determine. But yeah, that's new for me. So we mentioned the sheriff, Tom Ullman. He also said that oversights in the system and Jennifer and Sarah are to blame for these tragic deaths of these six beautiful lives. And it's that I think that is the, the most frustrating part that how many times the kids ask for help. You know, it wasn't, you know, they came to teachers, they came to neighbors and the I system know. didn't, couldn't help Completely them. failed them. And I mean, this is not the first time we've seen this. You know, there was a story on um, Netflix, a lo- little boy being abused by his parents and like, like caseworker after caseworker, they kept going and they kept going and they never removed him from the home. And then his like stepfather or his mom's boyfriend ended up killing him. It happened. It does. It, it it could be prevented, and it's like, come on. That that is probably the number one thing after ninety eight episodes of this is how many times, either, a person was stopped from continuing. By you know the second or third time, and how it could have kept going, but how more often than not, they could have been caught so much earlier, and they're not, and something could have been stopped, and for some reason, it wasn't, and that is. So it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. It's so sad. <sighs> but that is um, the story of the Hart family, the Hart family murders. And I remember hearing the news story, and it was not reported as anything other than a car accident first. Mm-hmm. And it took a while before it came out that there was more nefarious things going on. And I think, okay, look, you've adopted these children and you've realized, hey, maybe we can't handle this. Don't kill them. Take them. Hey, look, I'm sorry. You know, we're we're trying. We, We cannot handle this. This is a responsibility that we don't, we can't handle. We don't need. And so as to not hurt you or ourselves, we're gonna have to, put into the foster care system or give you to a family member something else besides murdering them the kids would have been better off if they they just left them at home when they decided to drive off a cliff those kids would have gone to the neighbors and they would have gotten help it's awful it's awful but i i remember like you said that picture was everywhere and i remember that picture and then I was on TikTok or something and it was like, Hey, do you remember this picture? And I was like, Oh yeah. And then I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I, I hadn't heard of that, that side of it. Yeah. It all, it all came out much later and the news media certainly didn't share the, the full story right away. Understandably it was an investigation going on, but yeah. uh, it's, and I, and also I wonder if the fact that they kept moving, made it harder on the system as well that probably did i'm sure that added to it resetting the the clock and then the new new this is the first time we've been called to this house we don't know this family we don't have a record where if they stayed in alexandria they stayed in texas you know took till they got to you know third or fourth location before things seem to be progressing to a point where they do they were going to get caught but you you have to wonder if all those moves were you know part of their paranoia and feeling pressure that they knew they were going to get caught eventually. Which instead of just getting caught, they just decided to, you know, end, end those lives. And oh, 
the I mean I hate to say it but I guess the only positive is that they are gone as well yeah and again it's a reminder that not everything you see on social media or people you know when they're out even and it was you know well all this happened well before social media you, you know the family that always looked together when they were at church or down at school functions or right you know no right. everyone can put on a face and we just do it digitally now a little bit more than we used to you know we'd send out the christmas cards or the you know the family letter every christmas that you know talks about all the great things that happened that year never really brings up the the hard stuff in the same way so yeah. uh, it's always a good reminder that you know, take everything with a grain of salt because you never really know the full story. There you go. That's the B side. And of course, we'll, again, if you'd like uh, any of the sources, if you'd like the pictures, you can always check them out on our website, asidebsidepodcast.square.site or asidebsidepodcast.com. Um, you can buy us a copy. We mentioned that. We've got YouTube, we've got Spotify, we've got uh, uh, Apple Music, all of the streaming services buy me a coffee we do have another little fun bit for you on our patreon um yeah. that we've added and we're calling that the, the liner notes you, the liner notes yeah so it's the little bit of extra that you get when you've already got the cassette but you want to find it's a little bit uh like backstory or you know who played uh trombone on this album you'll be able to figure that stuff out in the liner notes. so <laughs> go to our go to patreon uh, there's a link on our facebook and our webpage. uh you can sign up there it's super cheap per month uh, it's just a fun little thing to do trying something new and uh, i get to talk about cassette tapes more so <laughs> well there you go that's episode 98 thanks adam thank you Brooke. <laughs>